Euphoria season two is back, and already we've seen numerous death threats, multiple sex scenes, a near overdose, more bare penises than we can count, a murderous cocaine-slinging granny, two love triangles, and an epic beatdown. And that's just in the first two episodes. And with all that gritty drama, it can be really easy to forget that Euphoria is a show about teenagers. The show is centered around Rue, a drug-addicted teenager played by former Disney star Zendaya. You're full of shit, man. You know you make your living off of selling drugs to teenagers? And now all of a sudden you want to have a f***ing moral high ground? If you gave a shit about me, you wouldn't have sold me the f***ing drugs in the first place! But you did! You f***ing did! So open the goddamn door! Open the door! I can't do it. Open the door! Open the door! Open the door! Open the door! You really see her life, sometimes like even from her point of view, struggling with this. That's a problem that many people have and some people who are that young. But I think it's striking to see someone that young deal with those issues. And her life is really kind of, I mean, it can be messy. It can be gritty. That's Bethany Butler. She covers television and pop culture for the Washington Post. But then sort of on top of all of that, she is just dealing with being a teenager, being in high school, meeting people that she likes. There's a love interest. She's dealing with sort of all the things that we all deal with when we're a teenager. Shows about teens that aren't necessarily for teens have been a staple in our culture for the last 30 years. 90210 premiered in 1990, and audiences were obsessed with the privileged teens from Beverly Hills. Not long after, competitors like Melrose Place emerged, as TV execs realized that teen drama sells. Throughout the 90s, there were a number of comedies about characters in high school that did seem to be for teens. But by the late 90s, shows like Dawson's Creek and Buffy the Vampire Slayer had captured the attention of millions of teenagers and young adults. But the early 2000s gave us Degrassi, The Next Generation, another show that blurred the lines between teenage content and content for teens. Even though Degrassi had been on for decades at that point, the next generation of the Canadian drama grappled with topics that teens of the time were also dealing with, like sex, drugs, school shootings, and teenage pregnancies. Didn't that shirt used to fit? It still fits. Signs of pregnancy can include any or all of these symptoms, Frequent urination, intermittent nausea, sensitivity to smells, weight gain. Allie, I'm not pregnant. Breast tenderness. Ow. Have you and Casey been sexually active? Yeah. And have you always been safe? Just take a test, Jenna. Rule it out. I don't need to. And from there, teen dramas just really took off. Of course, there were still shows that both teens and adults could watch together, like Smallville or The O.C., but increasingly... Teen shows start to take on mature topics like on Friday Night Lights or Gossip Girl and Pretty Little Liars. And more and more, these shows started to create characters who were in weird circumstances. When we were obsessed with stories about vampires, TV execs made shows about vampires in high school. On TV, teenagers solve murders and mysteries, fight crimes, form Lord of the Flies societies, and save their towns. All between lunch and fourth period. And now, in this era of prestige TV, there are more shows centered around the dramatic lives of teens than ever. And most of them, with the exception of a few like Never Have I Ever, 
would end up with the R rating if they remove these. Welcome to Pop Cultured. I'm Bridget Armstrong. Today, a conversation about teenagers on television. Shows like Netflix's Elite and 13 Reasons Why depict teenagers in some really scary and mature situations. But it's HBO's Euphoria that seems to be redefining the teen drama. With its gritty and sometimes really uncomfortable storylines, Euphoria pushes the boundaries of what's acceptable to see teenagers doing on television. What do you think it is about shows centered around teenagers that appeals to adults? I think on one hand, it can be sometimes cathartic to be able to watch a group of teenagers make terrible decisions, right? But you're removed from your own adolescence and your experience with whatever they're going through. And I also think a lot of the shows, especially the ones that are on now, are the ones who have been popular in the last five to 10 years. I think they do a good job of heightening the experience of the characters so that it doesn't necessarily seem real. Now, there are exceptions. I think Degrassi was a very sort of real show. So before we all knew Drake as a rapper, he actually got his start on Degrassi as the character Jimmy, a basketball player who ended up in a wheelchair after a school shooting left him paralyzed from the waist down. My basketball career, my whole future is gone. It's like these two pieces of me. Dude, don't. Rick put me in this chair for life. For life. Nowadays, in addition to being a certified lover boy, Drake is also one of the executive producers on Euphoria. But Euphoria, you know, I don't think that's a typical experience for most teens. And so I think you can kind of watch it and sort of be removed from it. Whether you're a very young adult or maybe mid-30s, you know, you're watching Euphoria and it's not meant to represent your life at that time, but it's somebody else's story. And when we think about other teen dramas outside of Degrassi and Euphoria, what are some of the better ones that come to mind? So for me, contemporarily, I think of Never Have I Ever. It's a show from Mindy Kaling, and I think it's really funny and charming. Hey, gods, it's Devi Vishwakumar, your favorite Hindu girl in the San Fernando Valley. What's a poppin'? It's the first day of school, and I thought we should have a check-in. I think we can all agree that last year sucked for a number of reasons. So I thought of a few ways you guys can make it up to me. One, I'd like to be invited to a party with alcohol and hard drugs. I'm not going to do them. I just like the opportunity to say, no cocaine for me, thanks. I'm good. I'm very into international TV. There's a show called Blood and Water on Netflix, and it's about South African teens. I've been living with this ghost my entire life. We've got a new student here with us today. She's acting strange. What was her name? You didn't you just saw it yet? What do your parents do? I guess she's a genuine Tell us, why did you transfer to Parker? Again, that doesn't necessarily reflect even my experience when I was a teenager because I grew up in the U.S., but, you know, they're still dealing with similar issues. They make terrible decisions. Sometimes they make better decisions than their parents. I think there's something about teen TV shows that sort of give teenagers credit in ways that 
our society doesn't always. So yes, teenagers make mistakes, but they can also be really smart, really compassionate, progressive people. If we're talking about earlier shows, I grew up watching Dawson's Creek. <laughs> All that matters right now is what you want. I don't even know what I want, Dawson. Yes, you do. You want him. You want him like I want you. You, you love him like I love you. Well, the difference is he loves you back the same way. And you deserve that. Pretty Little Liars is another example of a show I got into as an adult. And it was about teens. But of course, there were adults playing these girls. And I think the show sort of pushed boundaries that ordinarily, if we are depicting people in high school, we wouldn't go there. I think you're amazing, Aria. When I first met you, I thought, who is this girl? I'm still that girl. Okay, nothing's changed. Yes, yes it has. I'm your teacher. There was a relationship with the teacher. And I think that can sometimes be problematic when we are talking about these shows that are supposed to be about teenagers, but they're sort of living adult lives. Have teen shows ever been for teenagers? And if they have, how did they evolve to get to where we are today? Degrassi is the example that I go back to because it's one of the rare shows that casts actual teenagers to play the characters on the show. And so I think that was very much meant for real teens, as controversial as some of their storylines could be. When we're talking about shows like 90210 or Dawson's Creek, for me, like Dawson's Creek sort of made more sense when I was in college than in high school. So I think in the last sort of 10 years, there's been a shift where the wider culture has been more open to teen shows. And I think it's because television in general, I think is getting better. I mean, it's really sort of a boom time for TV. And so I think there have been shows that are about teens, but are also just really good shows. I think Euphoria is one of them. Obviously, Zendaya gave a really good performance, an award-winning performance. And so I think it's an interesting character and role for her to dive into. What makes a really good teen show? What elements do you need for it to work? Yeah, I think so. I think that one of them is an authenticity, even if a lot of these shows are not the typical teenager experience. but They are authentic in other ways. So in terms of social issues that are discussed on the show or that are portrayed in terms of fashion, in terms of how mental health is portrayed and treated on these shows. I also think that these heightened situations that I've mentioned, like a show like Yellow Jackets, it's a teen show, but it's about deeper meaning there's sort of an underlying theme where it is about teens in a lot of respects, but there's also just a representation of how brutal adolescence can be, right? It's kind of like the Olivia Rodrigo spin on adolescence and you're seeing it on your TV screen. So I think that there are ways to heighten the teenage experience so that it's one entertaining, but it's also removed enough from a typical 
teenager experience to be entertaining to someone who maybe went through adolescence a decade or more ago. And I think that we're watching these shows because they're good TV shows. We connect with the characters and the decisions that they make or the decisions that they weigh, the situations that they have to navigate. And I think being a teenager is a very universal experience, regardless of how old you are. It's a period of time in your life that's very formative. And I think that to be able to watch it removed from, you know, in my case, my very awkward adolescence. It's fun and it can be healing, honestly, to sort of see someone else navigate being a teen and in the best case scenarios. It's just really entertaining and it can be really poignant, I think. Uh, but Loki is Astra in the back. You serious? You think because I went to rehab, I stayed clean? I mean, ain't that the point? Yeah, well, the world's coming to an end, and I haven't even graduated high school yet. So obviously Euphoria deals with a lot of drugs, a lot of sex, and we're seeing very young characters grapple with these issues. Are there concerns around the messages the show is sending to actual teenagers? Yeah, I think there are always concerns around that. There are watchdog groups that have issued statements around shows like Euphoria. And the concern, of course, is that Teenagers don't always have the best judgment. They can't always tell that something is not real. And if you are depicting teenagers, you're going to have teenagers wanting to watch. I think Zendaya has been open with her sort of fan base that Euphoria, even if you aren't a teenager, even if you're older, it's really heavy material. It's not something that you want to just necessarily dive into. You want to make sure that you're ready to watch it. And that's tricky. It's probably a show personally where I would say, you know, if someone asked me, should I let my teenager watch it? I would say, probably you want to sit down with them. Maybe, you know, that might be an uncomfortable watch with the parent, but like, it's not a show for teens. The creator of the show, Sam Levison, has talked about like drawing on his own experiences with addiction when he was a teenager, um, when coming up with the show. How does that actually line up with the behaviors of actual teenagers today? I don't think that his experience, and I think he's even acknowledged this, that his experience growing up isn't necessarily typical, but it was his experience and it would be familiar to him and anyone that he grew up with. And I think another thing about these teen shows is that they can be heightened because the teens are really wealthy or because they live in Los Angeles or they live in New York and they sort of have access to things that as a teenager growing up in Maryland, I didn't, you know, I wasn't sitting on the steps of the Met. I wasn't riding the subway around the city by myself. So I think there are certain settings that a lot of these teen shows have that lend themselves to sort of a fast paced life that you wouldn't necessarily expect a teen to have. Bethany's right. Although there are some teenagers who say their experiences mirror those depicted on Euphoria, most teenagers live a life that's a lot more PG than generations before them. Studies have found that teens today are having less sex than teens in the 90s, and drug and alcohol use among teens has dropped too. It's funny, the one parallel that I had noticed about Euphoria's very first episode and the very first episode of Degrassi 
there's a similar storyline about a teenager meeting someone online and going to see them and sort of ending up in a dangerous situation. Read it again, Manny. Again? I've read it six times. Just one more time. Please. Okay. Emma, you saved my heart and my project. If we protect the wildlife refuge, I owe it all to you. Love you, Jordan. Love you. Love you. <laughs> Let me see his picture again. He gets cuter each time I see his face. Is that possible? Hey, Manny, don't wreck that. I want Kaylin to autograph it. And on Degrassi, this was something that aired, I believe, like 21 years ago. It was a very teachable moment, right? Like, we didn't even all have internet in our homes. Euphoria is airing in an era where teens have instant access to information, to social media, TikTok, and you really feel that on Euphoria. Like, it's very much about a social media generation teens that know way more about the world and culture than their parents did because of the access that they have. How old are you? Uh, 22. I'm envious of your generation, you know. You guys don't care as much about the rules. You know, I think that's a good thing. And I don't want to be that old guy that gives you advice. But I look at you and I think there are two versions of how your life can go. You can either go someplace where you're wanted for who you are, or you can stay in a town like this, end up like me, living your life out in motel rooms. Selfishly, I hope you stay. So I think that's a really big difference about Euphoria and why it feels so Gen Z. I also think that it has a Gen Z mentality about social issues. It's a very progressive show. There are a lot of different identities that are explored. And I, and I feel like that's very much of this generation. One of the other things that stands out about the characters on Euphoria is the way they dress. The show joins a really long tradition of depicting teenagers as way more glamorous and way more sexy than actual teenagers. And there are these really funny TikToks that use this SpongeBob sound clip where people are showing off their best Euphoria high school fits. And why aren't you in uniform? Usually the person is dressed in something casual, you know, jeans and a hoodie. And then they step back onto the scene in a fabulous and more often than not, very revealing outfit. How would you describe the fashion on the show? The first phrase that came to mind was over the top. But at the same time, I think back to some of my school dances and I'm like, nope, I definitely saw fashion like that. It's interesting because on Euphoria, I think that the main character, her clothes are sort of representative of the average teen. She keeps it pretty casual. With some of the other characters, there have been some really memorable. There was a costume party last season and I think of the Lexi character wearing her Bob Ross costume, which I found really funny. And I think that when we talk about how tapped into social media it is, I think it just reflects what we see on there. 
Euphoria has never explicitly said where it takes place, but we sort of know that it's, you know, California, maybe adjacent to LA. And I think it just reflects the access and the knowledge that teens there would have about fashion. We've talked a lot about how Euphoria grapples with like sex, drugs, alcohol, abuse, addiction, but they also are really progressive in the way they show some of the characters. Why do you think teen shows have a unique ability to take on really complicated themes? You know, the tagline for Degrassi was, it goes there. And I think a lot of teen shows are willing to go there before other shows are. Just talking about social issues, Euphoria has a prominent transgender character whose story isn't only about her being transgender. It's a big part of her story. But I think that that's worth noting that a lot of these teen shows are very forward in terms of the culture. They know what's happening and they know what teenagers and what our society is dealing with. Teen shows tend to be at the forefront. So obviously Zendaya is a woman of color and the main character on Euphoria, even though Euphoria is mostly about white teenagers. Never Have I Ever is centered around an Indian-American teenager and her family. And there's a new show that's, I think, coming to the CW called Naomi that's about a Black teenager who discovers that she has superpowers. So all of that had me thinking about the way teen shows have depicted teens of color over the years and how that lines up with shows about adults. My colleague, Helena Andrews-Dyer, she wrote a really interesting piece recently about how there are more teen shows about young Black women, specifically Blood and Water, which I brought up earlier. You know, that's a show about South African teens, but the protagonist is a Black teenage girl. And that feels really refreshing because when you honestly think about it, and I didn't even realize until I thought about it, Moesha is kind of a rarity. I watched Moesha growing up. I loved Brandy. I loved that show. You know, it was sort of like a typical sitcom, but you saw things on there that you did not see on other teen shows. So what's going on between you and Matt? <laughs> oh, don't be silly, D. They're just friends. Ain't nothing going on. Oh, well, not until Saturday night, because uh, we're going out. Oh. For what? Daddy, you know, I know it's been a while, but you know, when two people want to spend more time together, they go on a thing called a date. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mo, don't play with me. <laughs> a date. Why, is there something wrong with Matt? No, but there's something wrong with you dating him. Right, D? Where are you going with this, Frank? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to hear more, too. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't date him, baby, but, but you're black and he's white. There, I said it. And stepped in it, too. Like, it, it felt like a very authentic experience that was portrayed. And we just haven't had enough, I think, teen TV shows that have centered around characters of color. Normally, if there is a Black teenager on the show, they're usually like the BFF. They may even help the main character navigate their lives in ways that are, you know, problematic when we're talking about tropes and stereotypes on TV. 
So I think it's been really refreshing to me to see shows like Blood and Water. CW has several shows that center characters of color. And it's important to portray those experiences because they're real and people want to see themselves portrayed. That was one of Degrassi's strengths, you know, especially for me growing up, because I could actually see myself on that TV show. And I couldn't say that about Dawson's Creek or a lot of the other teen shows that I watched. So I think that even the fact that teen shows today are more reflective of what our society looks like, I think that's the forward progressive nature of teen shows that we were talking about. Thank you so much for talking to me, Bethany. Thank you so much for having me. Euphoria is just one of the shows everybody's talking about. From mid-season returns to news about what's getting renewed to the fresh shows that people keep asking you if you're watching, it's definitely the season to hit the couch, even if you're not quarantining. So we're going to round up a rundown of the big and buzzy. First up. Dr. Marsh, do you need to step out? Sorry, excuse me? I'm asking if you're too invested in this patient and need to step out. Because you're right, he does only have one kidney. Right now I'm responsible for it, so you either don't trust me or... Well, I'm responsible for the other one. Yes, we got to talk about Grey's Anatomy. The Shonda Rhimes show is coming back February 24th with the second half of its 18th season. And it just got renewed for its 19th. This show has been on since I was a teenager. And the renewal means it's going to be up there with the longest-running primetime dramas of all time. The show's star, Ellen Pompeo, has mentioned her desire for the medical drama to wrap it up several times over the past few years. But she'll be returning once again as Meredith Grey. And she's been promoted to executive producer this time around. Next. I'll never forget the day I heard their plane had gone missing. What do you think? really happened out there. Showtime's Yellow Jackets, which came up in my conversation with Bethany, is a teen show that's also about something else. A 90s high school girl's soccer team gets stranded in the wilderness for a year and a half when their plane goes down. The plot goes back and forth between them in the woods trying to survive and then the present day still trying to survive. It's kind of Lost meets Lord of the Flies meets Heathers. And it's about as effed up as Squid Game. So buckle up. The season finale just dropped, and it's been renewed for a second season. We have to go get Sia. She told me to come get you. And to build a barricade. Station Eleven is a flashback and forward survive in the woods drama of a totally different kind. The HBO miniseries, which wrapped up last week, follows a bunch of interconnected characters through a flu pandemic that kills almost everybody on the planet. Yes, I know, too soon. We see the world falling apart, but we're also following survivors 20 years later in an America where pockets of people have managed to hang on and even perform Shakespeare. It's intense, but it's not as dark as you might think. And at 10 episodes, it's a tight, self-contained binge. Guess what? I wore my clogging shoes. I said I'm gonna misbehave 
And finally, another HBO offering, The Righteous Gemstones, which is now in its second season. It's a dark comedy about a family of televangelists led by John Goodman, who leads a life of crime and debauchery, funded by donations to their megachurch, of course. There's murder, there's blackmail, there's a mall church, and there's a great cast, which includes show creator Danny McBride, Walton Goggins, and Jason Schwartzman. So no more tricks and no more And that's it for us today. I'm Bridget Armstrong, host and senior producer of the show. And I work with an amazing team. Alicia Key is the show's producer. Andrew Calloway is our senior engineer. The Skim senior director of audio is Graylin Brashear. Thanks to Bethany Butler for talking to us this week. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, be sure to rate, subscribe, and tell a friend.